Thanksgiving week to all of you, and welcome in to State Basketball Podcast as got a little bit of a break between Myrtle Beach and Murray State heading to Chattanooga coming up on Saturday in their final non-conference game before they open up Missouri Valley Conference play nine nights from this evening at home against Illinois State. Coming up in just a couple of minutes, we will hear from Murray State head coach Steve Prohm. Got a chance to sit down with him for a few minutes today and Uh, Get his thoughts on where the team is right now, five games uh, into the season, and certainly coming out of that uh, successful uh, trip to Myrtle Beach, where the Racers picked up two out of three wins. A couple news and notes from today, uh, which you will hear Steve sort of in passing uh, mention, but ultimately kind of just the biggest piece of news uh, today. Patrick Chu, the freshman guard uh, from Arizona, of course, the son of Former Murray State assistant coach Isaac Chu, uh, he is the plan is for him to redshirt uh, this year, which is a little bit of a rarity these days uh, in college basketball because most kids kind of want to play, and if they don't play, then a lot of times you see them, you know, want to leave. Uh, rarely in sort of the the new the new era of college basketball, the new age transfer portal and all the such. You know, rarely you get a kid that that comes in that just accepts right away i'm not going to play this year and i'm going to take the year off to work and develop and my freshman year will be next year you just don't you don't see that and that this really goes back and whether it's been a philosophical thing or it's just been the way it has been uh you know looking back you know this is the first time since mick cronin's last year that you have had a non-medical redshirt where a kid has sat out their freshman year. And as I, as I, as I heard a college coach once tell me, and he put it greatly, he's like, you know, when a, when a kid gives up a freshman year for a redshirt, you don't give it, you, you're just delaying your freshman year ultimately, but you sit out a year for a redshirt. You're giving up your worst year to get your best year. So you you sit you you sacrifice a freshman season where you ultimately you're not expected to play. You will get another crack at a freshman year next season, but then that fifth year will be your best year. You know if we if we get to that point with you, and I was like, that's that's a great way to look at it. Of you gave up your you gave up your worst year, and in return you will get your best year uh, to have uh, to have that red shirt come in. So Tony Easley which was Mick Cronin's last year. He was His freshman season was that 05-06 year when the Racers uh, won the Ohio Valley Conference Tournament and uh, went on to the NCAA Tournament before they lost to North Carolina. And, of course, uh, easily in his fifth year, in his redshirt senior year, was part of that team that beat Vanderbilt uh, in 2010. As it was reminded to me today, which was also true, in 08-09, Dante Poole, or maybe 07-08, I guess it would have been, um, that... Dante Poole was, that was 0809. <laughs> the years run together. Dante Poole was scheduled to redshirt, but I believe it was Jawan Long that uh, blew out his knee and they needed to take the redshirt off of Dante, and so he had to play. And then he ended up getting hurt, broke his collarbone, and so it was just kind of one of those couldn't get out of their own way. The racers at that point were just like the bad news just, 
just kind of kept coming in waves. Well, you know, one torn knee, and then a, uh, you know, then you had a, uh, you know, broken collarbone. But then ultimately, you know, the guys were able to, uh, you know, both of those guys were around for that 2012 season. Uh, that was obviously so good. So, you know, to clarify, you know, if a player is injured, if they play less than 30% of the games, they are able to apply for a medical red shirt. And usually is the case, they get that extra year back. Uh, so it's usually, that's usually about nine games. If they play nine games or fewer, uh, they are, they will be able to apply for that extra year. If you're not hurt, like in the case of Patrick Chu, uh, if Patrick Chu plays one second of a game, he's burned his year of eligibility. So that is why, you know, he's going through, you know, he's he's on the bench and all's well, but you will not see him check in, barring some sort of need uh, that they have him. But, you know, I feel like at this point there are enough guards that they have in front of him that it would it would... <laughs> It would be an absolute break glass in case of emergency situation for uh, Pat Chu to see the floor this year. But ultimately, this is good. You know, it's a good thing. Keep him around. A dude that is going to be able to, you know, be around the program, help the program for years to come, a foundational piece for the future. Uh, there's just no reason to have him burn a year. And if he was willing to do it, awesome. Let him sit for another year and be able to uh, – you know, had the potential to stay five years there uh, in Murray. Steve also uh, today at his coach's show talked a little bit about scheduling for the future. He did say, uh, you know, he was kind of like, <laughs> he, he he brushed it off a bit uh, in the, you know, in, in the way only he can when uh, Neil Bradley talked to him about it. Uh, they talked about the, you know, the hopes of getting into an MTE, the multi-team event uh, coming up next year again. He said at this point they're still working with that. You know, hopefully the, that ESPN uh, will they will be able to get into one of these ESPN events where certainly the fields are better uh, rather than these mid-major events that you know Murray has played in the last couple of years. The non you can you can tell the the ESPN events because those tournaments those you know those eight team fields they're on ESPN or ESPN two or ESPNU. Then you have these mid-major events like Murray played in last year down in Fort Myers and those games you can only find on some website somewhere with a stream you know that's what Murray's trying to get out of grow you know grow out of those and be able to get into these ESPN events but we'll have to wait to see when they could get on you know if that if that's something that he said they may have to wait two years to get back into another one but uh they are certainly uh, working on that. Murray State will have to return the game to Austin P next year. But the next year is also, you know, Steve was just talking about trying to get home games. They want more home games. You know, you want to get into that 17, 18 home game range. And uh, next year, one game they know they're going to have is uh, the series renewed with Western Kentucky as they open up the four year contract with the Hillchoppers. And the first game will be in Murray uh, coming up next year. All right. Time to uh, welcome in. Uh, I had a chance to uh, sit down uh, with Steve Prohm uh, in his office uh, this morning and just able to get his thoughts sort of on, on where they are right now. Five games into the year, you came out of that disappointment with SLU, went to Myrtle Beach, uh, everything feels a lot better now. And, and ultimately, as I said, you're nine days away from starting conference play and the games uh, that really matter. So without further ado, here is Steve Prohm. 
what happened in the 10 days between you coming home from SLU and then you playing Texas A&M? What was the, me- what was the message that maybe needed to be adjusted or heard better in those 10 days? Well, just humility, just understand how hard it is, you know, to be good at this level, you know, against these teams, understand, you know, what wins and what loses. And I think it was good for our guys to see that, you know, to start with a really good team like St. Louis that's older, that's experienced, you know, that's won games and that's expected a challenge for their conference championship. I think it humbled us and made us kind of understand, all right, this is serious and, you know, we got to do things this way if we're going to be, you know, competitive. How do you think you guys – responded after sort of the emotional yo-yo of the first two days there in Myrtle and then after that day off to just as I said 9 30 a.m game in front of you know 200 people you could yep. easily have packed it in and gone home but it felt like you guys answered the bell right away yeah they, they answered the bell and they were focused and their energy was good and we had them up early ready to go that day I wanted to get over there early as we could you know uh, get them up have breakfast get some music playing, get the energy going, get over to the gym, work out. Uh, they responded, you know, but but I told them, too, every game's important now. They all count, you know, so you can't, you know, whether you're playing for third place there or seventh place, you got something to learn from and grow from. You've coached some pretty good point guards. Mm-hmm. Uh, what have you seen out of Jacoby so far this year and especially what he did over there that, that most impressed you? Well, I thought he had a great demeanor about himself. Thought he was under control. He was composed. Uh, he led his team. Um, he did a good job, you know, kind of being an extension to the coaching staff. Um, he made free throws down the stretch, which you got to do. He didn't turn the ball over. You know, he's unselfish. Uh, he, you know, yeah, he has the ability to make shots. So, you know, flirted with a triple double the last game. Um, he played really well down there, and we need to can, him to continue to play at that level. Turnovers, forcing turnovers. You guys, it's, I guess, one of those things, it's early in the year, and I don't know that it's a – what do you point to to that, that you guys are, I think, one of the bottom ten teams in the country right now, just at least in terms of forcing turnovers? Well, we're all half-court defense. You know, right now we're not really trying to trap and press. and um, You know, really trying to be in good position defensively. And so, um, you know, I'm not so much caught up in the – the statistical numbers, the analytical numbers. I mean, there's some things you look at and then some things that you know are obvious. Right. Um, you know, my biggest thing is, man, I just want to make sure we get a good shot. We don't take – we take care of the ball. Excuse me, we take care of the ball well. And the defense, we just got to continue to grow, get better in ball screen defense and, you know, rebound the basketball. Um, and hopefully we can turn some people over just with, you know, whether it's ball pressure or being in gaps. But – um, you know, we're not out denying, denying. We're more kind of trying to deny and still pass with our outside hand, you know, which is a little bit different. And, um, you know, we just, um, you know, hopefully with our ball screen coverage, maybe at some point that will start helping. Um, but I, to be honest, I hadn't even really paid attention to it. Kenny White, uh, especially defensively, it felt like he was more engaged the last couple of games, really competition rebounds getting his nose dirty in there um your head nodding you've seen some growth from him in that Kenny White yep sure have um you know he um he's had some big strides to make and he's making them you know I think just trying to challenge him every day because I think he has a chance to be a really good player 
um, just to let him know, man, what he's capable of. But he's got to do it on both ends of the floor. And, you know, I think he's kind of taken away some of the isolation game. I think he's kind of taken away, you know, some of the bad shots. And he's really competed defensively. He's blocked shots. He's rebounded. Him getting foul trouble in the UMass game really hurt us because we missed his length and size around the basket to help us. And then he's just another guy that can make plays off the dribble, you know, against the way UMass plays. But, you know, He's really done a good job this last, you know, 10 days. Now it's, all right, how good do you want to be? Can you handle this the right way? It's good to see him in the gym today just because he understands, man, this has got to be a process. This isn't, we haven't figured anything out yet. Going with so many four-guard lineups that you have, and he's that fourth guard who's guard, but he's 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, and that's that's sort of the point of, of emphasis with him that, He's got a rebound, right? <laughs> Just yeah, and he's asked. changed. I mean, he's you know, uh, he's rebounded, he's defended. Uh, he had a great tournament. Yeah, he did some really, really good things. Now it's you know, can you take another step? You might remember I I did this documentary on your your first season here from eleven and twelve. And did a great job. Oh, I appreciate that. Um, when I I'm reminded of having watched all the interviews from that season that in December. You know, you had your, you had your seven, but I remember in a post game news conference, you all but pleading for, we've got to get Stacy Wilson, we've got to get Brandon Garrett going for that eight nine spot. Yep. You played seven for the most part in Myrtle Beach. We saw some glimpses of Justin Morgan and Sam Murray. Those are also two freshmen as opposed to older kids like like Stacy and and Brandon. Um, where are you right now with? Your comfort, I guess. Yeah, I'm comfortable. With the depth. You know, the Texas A&M game, you know, his first tournament game, you're, you you got a chance to beat an SEC team, and there's sure. you know, this possession game. And, you know, you're kind of trying to – you know, you win that first day with your starters. Right. You know, your top guys. Um, but we were able to throw both of them in the game against UMass in there, and I thought both did great, Justin and Sam. Maybe could have played a little bit more. Probably should have got him in there more against Tulsa, you know, because we need those two guys, you know, to continue to grow and develop so we can play 8-9. Where is I guess that freshman class as a whole? Just man, I'm fired up about him to be honest. Yeah. Um, it's just like you know, I got Dante here. You know the where, you know he kind of went through you know the growing process as a player here and ended up being OVC tournament MVP on arguably one of the top couple teams in school history. Um, you know, it's just a process for all of them. You know, Pat Chu's redshirting, so you're dealing with four freshmen. Sam and Justin are playing a little bit; they're probably ahead. Right now, but Jackson and um, and um, Brax, Braxton Stacker, man, are, are are doing good things as well, you know. And so I'm excited about all those guys. They just have to understand, man, that you know they're, how valuable their role is here to make our team better, and that they just be ready when your number is called. But you know, everything isn't figured out in six months. You know, this is a this is you know this is a process, and everybody's journey is going to go a little quicker than others. Uh, but I'm really excited about our freshman class. I like their character. I like who they are as people. I think they can all be really good basketball players here. It's just, you know, we have some older guys. And, you know, you look at Jamari and DJ, they're, they're older and experienced. You know, Jacoby, none of, the, none of the new guys are point guards, right? So, uh, you know, from that standpoint. So, uh, you know, we've got some older wings. And uh, we just need those guys to stay the course. But I've, I've been really pleased with them. And, uh you know, Justin, like I said, and Sam did some good things in their in their short time that they were in. That starting five, um, 
has been your best defensive fivesome so far? I think they're about eight-tenths of a point per possession. What what have you seen out of that five that has worked so well when they're together? Well, yeah, DJ's got a great motor, and, you know, we, we can switch some different things, you know, with DJ or Jamari, and then Kenny's just got good length, and, you know, Rob's got the ability to guard, and Jacoby's been solid at his position there defensively, and um, we just got to continue to grow in that area. You know, Brian, Quincy off the bench, we need them to continue to, to develop. And then, like I said, we need two more guys off the bench. And that doesn't mean, you know, that doesn't mean Braxton Stacker ends up developing a little bit too. And, you know, I'm excited about all those guys. And that's what, you know, you start playing games and playing times divvied out a little bit. That's why you got to make sure you got everybody on the same page and let them know how important they are to the journey here. Uh, last question, Commanders beat the Eagles on Monday night. Your thought? Well, I didn't have even a chance. You've got so much going now. I didn't even have a chance to really enjoy it as I'm much glad. as I, I'm glad. I would have liked to because I saw your tweet and, uh, shoot, I forgot I didn't even have a chance to text you. But Rob Perry on our team is a diehard Eagles fan. Yes, he is. We've, we've bonded did, over that. And so. I did uh, I did give him the business. But Commanders won five of six. Heineke's leading us really, really well right now. We've got a huge game home against Atlanta this weekend. And we need the 49ers or Seahawks to lose some games because I don't think we can win our division because the Eagles are so far ahead. Yes, we are. But, man, there's seven wild cards. There's seven spots now in the playoffs. we got to figure out how we can get six or seven. And it's gonna, we're going to need some help because uh, we still got a tough road to hoe. Thanks, Dave. Thanks. Well, as Steve touched on there about the turnovers, as I, as I look at the numbers – 11.9% of the time are they turning over their opponents. That's now the bottom six in America. 358 out of 363. Um, so as he sort of, you know, he tried to try to explain why. You know, they, they're not pressing. They're just kind of just sitting down and playing defense, and ultimately that's not causing a lot of, not causing a lot of turnovers. And you've played higher-level teams too. You know, teams that aren't sloppy with the ball take care of it. Uh, you know, we talked about offensive rebounding being such an issue. You know, numbers are – numbers at this point in the year with so few games, you know, it's kind of a – you can see trends, but they're not necessarily indictments. And, you know, ultimately, you know, Murray State was trending in that direction of really struggling with offensive rebounds. And, you know, we talked about them being a bottom 10% team in the country. Well, then they play Tulsa and – I think they gave up six offensive rebounds to Tulsa, and ultimately, I think their you know their ranking went up like a hundred spots. You know, I mean that that's how there's so much volatility in the rankings and the stats so early in the year. But uh, Steve Prohm would love to see those trends continue now as it swung swung back the other direction of of limiting offensive rebounds. So they'll continue to do they get do that against Chattanooga coming up uh, on Saturday. Uh, just looking at some quick. Uh, numbers that are out right now, you know, in the Kempom, Murray State ranked 109 in the country, probably about right. You know, they'll uh, drink the schedule has been good. Ultimately, you're, you know, you're two and two in, in the Kempom world that Lindsey Wilson win doesn't matter. So, you know, you're two and two, you're ranked 109. Mid-major top 25 came out uh, yesterday. Racers were 41st in that poll, which probably a little low, but in the end, you know, doesn't matter. Just something for people to get wound up about. Uh, Three-point percentage, looking at the national stats right now, Racers uh, 293 out of 363, uh, hitting just 28.6% from beyond the arc. Again, that number pulled down from that, I think it was four for 23 they shot against uh, against Tulsa, just really struggled there 
uh, on Sunday, but that number will certainly, uh, you expect it to be able to uh, float back up here uh, over time with just a decent game um, from beyond the arc. As for Murray State individuals, just looking at national rankings, guys that are ranked in the top 100 in the country in individual stats, Jacoby Wood, uh, 36th in the country right now with uh, free throw percentage, 96.2%. I believe he's 25 of 26. And, you know, if he can keep at that rate, obviously he will continue to just rise up from 36. A lot of those ahead of him are guys that, you know, have barely shot the minimum to qualify and have, you know, 7 for 7, 8 for 8, and and the like. But 25 of 26, he's been a tremendous weapon uh, for them. Wood also 51st in the country. He's played 89.4% of his team's minutes so far. Uh, he has been on the floor a lot. And, you know, as a frame of reference, still not as much as Ja Morant, his senior year. Ja played 93.5% of the minutes that year, which uh, Matt McMahon famously uh, just every time I'd ask him, he's like, you know, you playing Ja too much? You know, I mean, he would play 38, 39 minutes, 40 minutes every night. And, Matt's pretty much standard line was, you know, Jaw's next coach can rest him. So uh, Jacoby not quite at that jaw level in terms of percentage of minutes, but uh, still still about 89.5%. And as we talked with Steve about, uh, you know, looking for depth as they continue to grow that depth until they can get that depth and find that depth, uh, I expect that number to be. Uh, and as Jacoby Wood continues to play as well as he has, uh, that number will continue to be very high. And DJ Burns. Uh, top 100 in the country in terms of free throw rate. Uh, when you just take the free throw attempts to s- divided by field goal attempts, which just shows how much are you getting to the line in comparison to how often you know you take a normal field goal. And at this point, uh, he is uh, his field goal his free throw rate close to 70 percent against 16 free throw attempts, 23 field goal attempts. You know, does not. Uh, he's only so that's about five five, six field goal attempts a game, but he's getting to the line also, you know, four times uh, as well. So uh, DJ is, uh, has done a good job of getting the line, knocked down all his free throws against Texas A&M, struggled the last couple of nights, but uh, he's somebody that you expect to be in that 70% range, certainly, uh, from the line. All right, that does it for today's edition of the Murray State Basketball Podcast. We'll be back uh, either tomorrow, maybe a little Thursday drop for you, uh, if you get bored with a little football, need a little break, we'll start getting you ready for Chattanooga. Also got a chance to catch up with uh, Murray State assistant coach Antoine Jackson today uh, and get his thoughts on what he's seen uh, from the team here in the early going and his uh, arrival in Murray and sort of his acclimation to the new staff with his with the new assistants and uh, working for Steve as well. But just, we'll start uh, we'll start getting you ready for Chattanooga here uh, as the week progresses. Again, they will play Saturday night in Chattanooga as the Racers' final tune-up game before they open up Missouri Valley Conference play. If I don't talk to you before then, have a happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Murray State Basketball Podcast.